Ozama City on Mendenau. And so right now we've got five students there uh, that we're training and just um, working with them and just, you know, trusting God really to direct and to help us to get that support so we can get there to the country. And, you know, just, um, you know, we, we're all kind of, um, you know, tired of the COVID. Okay. I mean, is that an understatement? Okay. But yet what we're doing, we started this before the COVID came. So when the COVID came along, we were already set. In a pioneering mission project like this, there's going to be some back and forth, going back and forth to the Philippines. We've done that. We've been there, we set it up. We've been here, we set it up. We've been there, perfected it, been back here working with it. And so we've done that over the years, okay, the last few years, you know. And so, um, you know, what God has given us is something that has literally accelerated in the midst of this COVID pandemic, we can't get into the Philippines right now because of COVID restrictions. But yet, God has given this to us. You know, and I look at this and say, I, I, I thank the Lord that he gave us really a, a calling and a vision to start a ministry like this pre-COVID. So when COVID came along, you know, God's given us five preacher boys that are ready to go start churches. And so I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 3. And I want to look here for a little bit this morning at the story of Nicodemus. I'm sure many of you have heard of this story. You've probably heard many lessons, many messages about uh, Nicodemus and in, the, in this conversation between him and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I've got one more for you. And so here in John chapter 3, I want to begin reading in verse number 1. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, I'm going to pause right there, and I want to begin here to ask some questions because part of Sunday school is to make you think. And really, a good preacher with a good sermon is going to make you think about what he's saying anyway. So whether I'm teaching or preaching, I want you to think with me as to what is actually happening here with Nicodemus and this conversation between him and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now it says here that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. So the first question I want to ask of you is this, why did Nicodemus come to Jesus by night? Is there a reason? Is there something in the word of God that we can point to and say, this is the reason? I believe scripture does answer itself. And when we get in and we dig into the Word of God, we can find answers. Now, the first thing I'll say about finding an answer in the Word of God, you need to realize that a lot of these books of the Bible were not written in chapter and verse division. They were written in, 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 in sometimes in chronological order going through the book. So what happened in John chapter 2 actually preceded what happened in John chapter 3. 
So let's go back into John chapter 2, and we're going to see if we can discover a reason as to why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. Go back to chapter 2 in verse number 13. And it says here, And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drave them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence and make not my father's house and house of merchandise." Now, the Lord Jesus Christ did this twice. We see it recorded also in the book of Luke before Jesus was crucified, and there he called them a den of thieves. He did this twice in his ministry, and, and, and you realize this is the Jews' Passover. What was the Jewish Passover to the Jewish religion? I mean, it was their most holy day. It was the start of the, the new year. I mean, it was the... It was the, the number one most important feast on the Jewish calendar. I mean, Passover. That's what the Apostle Paul, when he's on his missionary journey, he wanted to get back for the Passover. Why? Because that was the most important feast. Now, who was in charge of this feast, the Passover? Well, the Pharisees were, weren't they? Who was overseeing it? The Pharisees. Who's responsible for it? So the, the religious leaders of the day. Who's Nicodemus? He's a religious leader. All the Jews, literally from all over the world, are coming to Jerusalem, if they're able to make it. They're coming to Jerusalem to be a part of this Passover. All the Pharisees are there. All the Sadducees, they're, they're, they're either there or they're coming there for this feast. So then the question really comes down to, was Nicodemus there when Jesus did this? I say he could have been. But if he wasn't there, I'm sure he got a report of what took place. And Jesus goes into that temple. He sees them selling oxen and sheep and, and doves and, and all these things here. And, you know, in the book of Luke, he called them a den of thieves. You know, what's happening? Well, you know, it's, um, you know, they're, they're, they're overcharging people for these things. You know, they're, 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 they're robbing them. You know, they're charging for the sheep as what they would have if they would have bought it at home and brought it with them. You know, and so, you know, here Jesus goes into the temple and he drives out the money changers and overthrows the tables. And, and he, stakes, he states here in verse number 16, he says, And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence and make not my father's house and house of merchandise. Now, if you're thinking with me, I've given you really two reasons as to why Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, potentially. All right? The first one is just simply this. Where there's money, there's power. Where there's power, there's corruption. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, is overseeing the temple and what takes place in that temple. He has to know there is corruption. And can I say this very frankly? Maybe there were some bribes from these people that were in the temple to Nicodemus. After all, Nicodemus was a wealthy man. 
And can I tell you that Nicodemus could not have gotten into power as a Pharisee unless he had money. Because the people with money are the ones that get themselves into power. Right? And so, you know, here he's, he's in the temple and just say he's part of the problem. And when Jesus comes into the temple and, 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 and cleans out the temple, you know, he, he drives them out of the temple. You know, can I, can I point out to you that maybe those that he was chasing out of the temple was Nicodemus's cousins? You know, maybe they were family. And can I tell you the nation of Israel was a family? I mean, they are tribal in their culture. You know, they are uh, clandestined in their, in their roots. We look out for each other. We protect each other. And you see that throughout the Old Testament that they'll come to the, the, the defense of the tribe of Benjamin when Benjamin had this problem. I mean, you see them helping and defending each other. And here Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, you know, is, is, is obviously, I think, controlled by what we call shame. He is embarrassed to be seen with the Lord Jesus Christ in public. He doesn't want to be seen with this rebel rouser that just went into the temple and chased my cousin out. You know, I, I don't want to be seen with him. I don't want to be identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's coming by night. Okay, do you understand here the mentality of what I'm trying to paint here with Nicodemus? The, the reasoning, the, 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 the thoughts maybe behind why he came to Jesus by night? You know, can I go one step further? When Jesus cleansed the temple, he said there in verse 16, take these things hence and make not my father's house. Whose house? That's God's house. What is he claiming? He's claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be God in the flesh. And, and, and you see that that's what the Jews understood. You know, as you read down here in verse number 18, it says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? What are they looking for? They're looking for a sign. Jesus just said, This is my father's house. And the Jews turn around and say, Okay, what sign are you going to give us? The Jews require a sign. The Jews want a sign. Okay, what sign are you going to give us? And Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Speaking of the temple of his body, do you think maybe in Nicodemus' reports or observation of what took place here, do you think maybe he's curious about whether or not Jesus Christ is the Messiah? Okay, and Jesus just cleansed the temple. You talk about a contradiction in Nicodemus's mind. I know he's part of the corruption. He's part of the problem. He's, he has to turn his head at the corruption that's going on in the temple. And he knows what's going on. They all knew what was going on because Jesus rebuked the Pharisees later for it. But yet, Nicodemus wants to know, is this the Messiah? Is this the promised one? Now, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night in verse number two, and he says these words. I want you to notice here these words that they are 
really orthodox. They're strict word of God. This is literally the truth. What Nicodemus says here is the truth. Verse number two, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. There's no error in what Nicodemus says. It's truth. Jesus Christ did come forth from God and that he did these miracles because God was with him. But what Nicodemus did not understand is really where the Lord Jesus Christ leads him in this conversation to what Nicodemus needed to know. And really, they say that's a good skill to have in teaching. That you take them from what they know, literally, to the next nearest truth. Now, Nicodemus came to Jesus and he said to him, Rabbi, we know. Now, can I point out to you here just the simple simple truth. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. As I put it into our modern terminology, Jesus and Nicodemus are having this conversation and, you know, they're, they're, they're down the alley, they're hiding behind the dumpsters and, you know, Nicodemus keeps looking out to make sure nobody's coming because he doesn't want to be seen with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's really not we know what all these people wanted to know is really what Nicodemus wanted to know. He was there by himself. But can I ask you this question this morning? What Nicodemus said was absolutely true. And what Nicodemus knew was truth. May I propose to you this morning that we know a lot about God. We probably know more about God than maybe even Nicodemus knew. I'd say he knew more about the Old Testament scriptures than we do, but, you know, you, you get the point. But this is the question. Is there something more God wants us to know about him this morning? We need to just see if there is. And so Jesus begins in verse number three by bringing truth to him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Okay, so now Jesus presents truth to Nicodemus and tells Nicodemus, You must be born again. And understand, this is the first time this terminology has been used in history. So Nicodemus had no idea what was being said. He had no idea what Jesus meant by being born again. Now, if you walked out the doors of this church, out into the community and said, you must be born again, people are going to look at you and say, well, yeah, I already experienced that. I know what that is. But here, Nicodemus does not know. Okay, and so the Lord Jesus Christ is going to introduce him to this concept of being born again. And Nicodemus, in verse number four, he makes this statement. Now, I want to point out here about this statement and Nicodemus makes this statement, he's either being stupid or sarcastic. All right? He's either being stupid or, or he's either making a dumb statement, putting his foot in his mouth, or he's being absolutely sarcastic. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? 
Nicodemus is probably 70, maybe 80 years old. And if his mother was still living, you know, you, you've, got the, you've got the walker, you've got the oxygen. And he's thinking, man, I've got to go a second time until my mother's womb and be born. Let me tell you what, he's either being, he's either being stupid, but he's really, a, he, he's really the man with the Ph.D., in the story. He is the doctor of the Old Testament law. And so I kind of look at that and say, well, maybe he wasn't being stupid. Maybe he's being sarcastic. You mean I have to go a second time into my mother's womb and be born? You know, I, that's kind of how I look at it. And I, I, I read that passage and what's exchanging here between Jesus and Nicodemus. You know, and so, but Jesus answers the question in verse number five thoroughly. Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's born of the water. That's the physical birth. You know, uh, that which is born of the spirit is spirits. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Nicodemus, you don't need another physical birth. What you need is a spiritual birth. And let me tell you, we understand that spiritual birth, you know, as, as taking place when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, believing what he did on the cross of Calvary for our sins and, you know, a willingness to turn away from sin and put our faith and trust in him. It begins a spiritual relationship with God, you know, that's, that will carry us into eternity with him forever. You know, we understand the truth of what's, being said here. In verse number eight, Jesus gives an illustration of the spiritual birth. This says here, the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the spirits. Do you see the wind? Well, no, we don't see the wind, do we? But we see the results of the wind. So is the spiritual birth. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin. But you know, we do have the witness of a changed life. John 8, 32, he said, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. In John 8, 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. We're made free. What do I mean? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God has the power to transform our lives and to make us a new person in Jesus Christ. I don't understand how the wind works, you know, but I see the results of the wind. We don't know how the Spirit of God works, how he changes the hearts of the man, how he, he, he works this change on the inside and makes him a new person in Jesus Christ, a new creature. You know, I don't see it taking place, but I see the results. In verse number nine, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? You realize here the three statements of Nicodemus. The first one was orthodox, it was true. We know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. To the second statement, which I've told you is, I think it's sarcasm. You mean I've got to go a second time into my mother's womb and be born? Now to the third statement that Nicodemus here says here in this conversation to Jesus, 
one of total ignorance. How can these things be? How can these things be? In verse number 10, Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel? And what are those words? Knowest not these things? You see, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said to him, We know. Now all of a sudden Jesus says to him, Nicodemus, you don't know. You don't know. Can I tell you very simply, when it comes to corruption, like Nicodemus is dealing with, when it comes to he doesn't want to be embarrassed because my cousin just got kicked out of the temple, they overthrew my, my grandma's money, you know, you know, he's, he's attacking our, our family in the temple. And, you know, understand there's a great deal of pride that ties in with this. All of a sudden, the Lord Jesus Christ has just humbled Nicodemus. Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? The lesson of pride. What was Nicodemus' sin? His pride. And because of pride, he was in this bondage to shame. I don't want to be embarrassed by being seen by Jesus Christ. You know, I don't want to be, you know, I, you know they've got this, this, this corruption going on, and Nicodemus has to turn his head the other way. You know, he's a part of the problem, and here the Lord Jesus Christ is exposing him in his sin. And I tell you, Nicodemus kept the law. Outwardly, he did. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been a Pharisee. But his heart was far from God. In his heart, he was still a sinner. And what was that sin that bound him? It was his pride. Pride ties us to shame. Shame keeps us in the bondage to pride. And there's only one thing that can break that bondage. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse number 11 he says here, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? Hey, we speak that which we do know. Mamayan Buntag? Homestar? Gringos? I know a little bit of other language, but I can tell you, we speak that which we do know, don't we? The Lord Jesus Christ just told to Nicodemus those things that Nicodemus knew. He talked about the physical birth, the spiritual birth. He talked about the wind blowing. And Nicodemus responds, how can these things be? And Jesus said, look, I just told it to you. And you don't comprehend what I told you. What are you going to do if I tell you something heavenly? That's what he said there in verse 12. Verse 13 comes the heavenly. What does he say here in verse 13? He says here, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now, 
I want you to look at verse number two. And I want you to look at verse 13. I want you to compare the two statements. Jesus is repeating exactly what Nicodemus said, but in his own words. And then the Lord Jesus Christ adds a truth to it. What did Nicodemus say? He said, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. No, actually, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said. He says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus, Nicodemus said, you came from God. That's what Nicodemus said. Jesus, in verse 13, repeats what Nicodemus said. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. That's what Nicodemus said to Jesus. Now the Lord Jesus Christ adds on the next thing that Nicodemus needed to understand, the next nearest truth. What was that? Even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Who is the Son of Man? The Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means he's human. He's like you and me. He's flesh and blood like you and me, yet without sin. He's, he, is, he is the son of man and the son of God. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. Okay? And so here, you know, even the son of man, which is, and what tense is, is it's present tense. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ is talking to Nicodemus, and all of a sudden he says, even the son of man, which is in heaven. I can see Nicodemus, maybe, this Orthodox Jew, maybe start to tremble a little bit. As all of a sudden he realizes he's in this dark alley, you know, they're hiding behind the dumpsters, and all of a sudden he realizes, I'm face to face with the God that spoke this world into being. This is the God that parted the Red Sea. This is the God of all those names that I learned in, in, in Hebrew school in the Old Testament. This is him. And I can see Nicodemus here being humbled yet more as he realizes he's standing in the presence of Almighty God, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the Lord Jesus Christ now begins to go into the gospel. Why? Because the pride has been abased. He has been humbled before the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he goes into verse 14. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, could you imagine being Nicodemus and hearing these words for the first time? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. To tell you, there's something here about God being revealed to Nicodemus that it helps us to take a look and see what's taking place. But can I remind you that Nicodemus was known as the secret disciple of Jesus Christ? Always in secret, always in hiding, always ashamed of Jesus Christ. Until one day, one day, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of Man, a physical human being, lifted up on that cross, 
he understood what it was that Jesus came to do. He understood why he was there. And understand, it was the eve of the Passover. They were coming into their holy day. That evening is where that, that holy day started. And when Jesus died, they came and they broke the legs of the other two because we don't want them hanging on the cross on a holy day. That was an abomination to the Jews. But Jesus was dead already. And two of those Pharisees, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, on the eve of that holy day, went against their own traditions, their own law, their own regulations, and literally touched the dead body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Publicly, publicly proclaiming him. They went publicly to Pilate and begged the body. They were publicly there before that cross taking him down in the sight of all those people. No longer ashamed of Jesus Christ, but publicly proclaiming him. You know, in reality, sometimes we become controlled by that shame. We become embarrassed to speak about Jesus Christ. But when we do see him lifted up, no longer ashamed, no longer afraid, but publicly proclaim him to the world. Preacher. So we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Maybe God spoke into your heart this morning. Are we proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your own personal Savior. You put your faith and trust in Him as your own personal Savior, the most important thing that you'll ever do in your life. 